0: Good morning. Good morning, church. It's so good to be together, isn't it? It's good to be here to worship, to set our eyes on Jesus, to focus on Him, and I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. This morning, we're beginning our Easter series, so we're moving toward the cross and the resurrection, and in this series, we're going to be looking at Easter from the perspective of some people who were there for the very first one. So we're going to talk today about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then we'll see next week as we look at Judas, and even though he was close to Jesus, totally missed it, right? And then we're gonna see Thomas who had doubts. And for people who have doubts, if you know anybody who's struggling in that area, hey, bring them that week and say, hey, come and listen. We're gonna talk about Peter and how Peter, I love Peter. You know, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. Man, he had this just great heart, this desire. We'll see John, John who's there all the time. He's just faithful, he's just always there. And then on Easter Sunday, see the perspective of the Father, Father God on his Son. Nailing him to a cross and watching as he died for the sins of this world. What was God thinking? What are we thinking as we approach Easter? And I just encourage all of us, right? Let's set our eyes on Jesus. You know, Easter gets caught up with a lot of things, right? There's Easter bunnies and egg hunts and all this other stuff kinda goes along with Easter and it's fine, but for us who are followers of Christ, man, this is our season. This is our time because Jesus is alive. And our world will never be the same. And the hope that we have in Christ and in Christ alone comes from Jesus and what happens at Easter. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. by those poles. Love for you to grab a Bible. Just pick it up. It's yours. Keep it with you. Or if you have a mobile device, you can access the Scriptures there. We'll put the Scripture on the screen as we study God's Word together. Now Luke is one of the four gospels, right, that all talks about Jesus. And Luke was a physician. He's very precise in his details and telling us what happened all with Jesus' life and then his death, his burial, his resurrection. And we're gonna start at the very beginning there in Luke chapter one and verse 26. And if you're doing the daily step, if you're reading in our Bible study on the Rolling Hills app, there's this daily study that you could be doing you've read this passage this week and so we're leading up to easter even in our own personal daily study time but it says this in verse 26 in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary so here we see Mary. And Mary was probably 14, 15, 16 years old. Okay, back then, you know, girls, they married young. They married a guy who was a little bit older, who was probably Joseph in his early 20s, arranged marriages back then, right? So here she is, she's in that engaged time. They're not officially married. They're kind of in that engaged period. And the angel appears to her, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So this angel shows up and says, hey, greetings, Mary, you are highly favored. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I can imagine, right, an angel showing up, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but if you do, that'd be a great line to underline right there, do not be afraid. Every time an angel shows up in Scripture, this is what they always say, right? Because angels aren't like little plump, you know, you know, little halo there, little wings, like they're harmless. Angels are warriors. They're warriors of light. And so when an angel shows up, immediately you're afraid, right? Just like Mary, who was greatly troubled. And so the angel's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus' name literally means salvation. You are to name him salvation. <laughs> he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So when Mary heard this, you know, being Jewish, she knew. The Messiah, this is the Messiah, I mean, what we've been all waiting for as a people, the Messiah is coming. And you can imagine the joy, but immediately she's thinking, me? I mean, there's no way God can use me. I mean, she starts disqualifying herself, right? She's like, "Oh, no, 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 no. It can't be me. How would this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She starts thinking about all the things that disqualify her, right? I, I, I can't do this, right? I'm a virgin, right? Here's Joe, whatever, nothing's ever happened, right? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is unable to conceive in her sixth month now. And then look at verse 37. I don't know if you underline it again, but man, right here, for no word from God will ever fail. Just think about that today. No word from God will ever fail. Has God given a word to you? Has there been a time in your life where man you just received this word, you're just like, man, okay, I know that was from God. I know God's speaking to me. I know God has a plan, a purpose for me. It, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary. See, Mary is one of the most beloved people in history, right? I mean, there's more little girls in the world named Mary than any other uh, name. There's over 2 billion Hail Marys that are said every single day. There's more than 10 million people who go to Guadalupe to visit our mother a lot of people love mary but we got to know what the bible says about mary mary was an ordinary person right here's mary an ordinary person Uh, we don't worship mary Uh, we don't have to pray to mary Uh, mary wasn't sinless when we were in israel the first time i went to israel and and we went and visited this church it was built to mary's mother and i was like mary's mother i don't remember that right like i'm looking through the scriptures like where's mary's mother in here. And then I started to realize, wait a minute, if people believe Mary was sinless, then her mom had to be sinless. So then I started going, where's the church to Mary's grandmother? You know, like, how far back does this go? But see, Mary wasn't sinless. Mary was an ordinary person like you and me. Jesus, fully God, born of the Holy Spirit, fully man, born of a woman. Right? You see the divinity and the humanity of Christ right here. But God used Mary And for God to use Mary, Mary had to push past some fears. right, Mary had some fears. And she's she's immediately thinking about this. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. God, you can't use me. You know, that's gonna change my whole life. I'm engaged. I've got this whole wedding thing planned out, right? We've already sent out the invitations. It's, it's, It's gonna be great. Well, God, you can't use me. I mean, what's Joseph gonna think? I mean, really, I'm going to go to him and say, no, seriously, it's the Holy Spirit, right? I'm pregnant, you know, like, Joseph's not going to go for that. I mean, God, you can't, you, this fear that just swept over her. And here's the thing about being used by God. You got to push past the fear. Immediately, immediately, whenever God speaks to us, whenever God gives us a word, whenever God wants to use us, immediately we disqualify ourselves and immediately fear comes in. See, we have an enemy that doesn't want us to be used by God. We have an enemy that wants us to sit on the sidelines and not get involved or engaged, and we have to push past that enemy and say, get behind me Satan, God is calling me and I'm stepping up and stepping out. And Mary did. (laughs) Mary said, I'm gonna follow God. I may not understand, I may not know how it's all gonna go down, but listen, I am going to follow God, and there is nothing like being used by God. See, God doesn't need any of us. God is sovereign over all creation. God could use angels, and he does, but God chooses to work through his people. God chooses to work through ordinary people like you and me and Mary. And Mary was faithful to God, and God chose to use her. Unbelievable. And as you start to see Mary raising Jesus in her home, and the goal of every parent in here, the goal of every one of us is to point our kids to the Father, and that's what she did. And in reality, imagine raising the Messiah. <laughs> imagine, you're sitting there just going, okay, God, I need you every day. You've entrusted Jesus to me, but God has entrusted precious gifts to every one of us. God has chosen every person in here, right, for his plan, for his purpose. God's chosen every mom in here. You are entrusted. God's chosen every dad, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, you have been chosen by God and you've been entrusted with a special gift. Now we don't know everything that happened, but we know this, that probably between the age of 12 and 30 as Jesus was growing up, that that Joseph, his earthly dad died. So at some point, Mary's becoming a single mom here. Her and Joseph had other children. Jesus had brothers and sisters growing up. He was the oldest. They were half brothers, half sisters, right? He's fully God. A lot of people believe that Jesus didn't begin his earthly ministry until 30 because Jesus was taking care of the home and taking care of his siblings and helping out his mom and this responsibility and this call to be there for our families. But then Jesus, at the age of 30, launches his earthly ministry. And here's where we see Mary again in John chapter two. John chapter two. Check this out if you have a Bible. Turn over there with me. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So here we see that here's Jesus just starting out in his earthly ministry. They get this invitation to go, probably a family member, a friend. They're at the wedding. Jesus' mom is there. Jesus' and his disciples are there. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So she comes up to Jesus, right? She's like, hey Jesus, they have no more wine. Jesus is like, really, Mom? You know I mean? Like, hey, what you, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Jesus is like, hold on, Mom. You know, I, God's preparing me. God's launching this, but hold on, hold on. And you can imagine, Mary's like, come on, Jesus. You know, can you imagine growing up with Jesus, the stuff that he would do? And Mary's like, oh, you can handle this. Come on, come on, come on over here. Do something about this. Have you ever been in a place and your mom's like, hey, go ahead and handle that? And you're like, mom, really? Come on. You know, like, that's happening. This is real life. And here they are. And Mary's going, Jesus, would you handle this? Take care of it. So his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus doesn't say, okay, I'll do that, right? The mom just goes and says, hey, do whatever he tells you. He's going to take care of it. He's going to handle it. He's got it under control. She's like, okay, I'll take care of it. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now think about being these servants. And here's this guy, he comes up and he says, hey, go fill these water jars. take it to the master of the banquet. And the servants are like, Really? It's water, man. I mean, we just filled it, it's water. What are you, what are you doing? And, and yet they were obedient. And they did so. They did so. Have you ever noticed how the miracles come when we're obedient? Have you ever noticed how we have to step out before we see the miracles happen? Miracles don't happen when we're just sitting on the sidelines. It's when we get involved in what God's doing and these servants did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. It was only the servants who knew. (laughs) They were like, ah, Jesus, that's awesome. They saw the miracle happen. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. Isn't that awesome about God? It's always the best. It's never just adequate. It never just gets by. It's always better than we can dream or better than we can imagine. That's the thing in God's economy. He wants the best for us. This is the best wine. This isn't the cheap stuff that's left over after everybody's drugged. This is like the real deal, and it is good. (laughs) What Jesus did here at Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So the first miracle was prompted by his mom, (laughs) by Mary, Jesus, engage in this. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and there they stayed for a few days. Jesus launches his ministry and he's going around, he's healing people, discipling and he starts teaching about love and grace. And Mary's thinking, wait a minute, The Messiah is supposed to deliver the Jews. The Messiah has come to to overthrow the Romans. We're looking for a political Messiah. And after a while, she's hearing this teaching on love and on grace. And she's like, Jesus, wait a minute. I thought, thought, wait a minute. I thought it was just for the Jews. I I thought it was just, you know, this political revolt that you were leading. And Jesus is going, oh, mom, it's so much bigger. Oh, mom, it's so much bigger. It's for all people. Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, male, female, all matter in the eyes of God. And Mary comes to this point where she doesn't understand. There's even in Mark chapter three where Mary and, and some of her other children go down to, to get Jesus. And, and they're knocking at the door and Jesus is in there and all these people and he's teaching and, and they're like, hey, your mom and brothers are, are here. And he says, this is my family right now. These are my moms and my brothers. These are the spiritual family. I'm doing so much bigger. Mom, I'm gonna take care of you. But listen, it's bigger that we're the family of God, that God has come to redeem and to restore. And Mary just couldn't understand it. And the next time we see Mary is at the cross. Watching her son being nailed to a tree. And the just raw emotion of God, I don't understand. You gave me a word. You, You gave me a word that he's the Messiah. And now he's nailed to a cross. And the hurt and the pain. Some of you are here. As a parent, you've gone through that hurt and pain. I can't ever imagine losing a child. But Mary did. And she cried out to God. And you know, on the cross, Jesus issued seven statements. We're gonna see it on Good Friday. But one of the things that he said on the cross was this. He looked at his mom and he said, mother, behold your son. And he pointed to John, the disciple, right? He's like, no, John, you take care of her. Son, behold your mother, you take care of her. You watch out for her. Make sure she's okay. And we have this responsibility, right, to take care of our family, to take care of the people around us. And Jesus was doing that, mauling that on the cross. But there's Mary I don't understand, and we all go through those times in our lives. I want you to hear this morning from Crystal Ribble, who's a mom in our church. She's at our Nashville campus, and I want you to hear a little bit of her story this morning. Watch this.
1: When my husband and I first got married, we were sort of 50-50 on having children, We could do it, and that would be great. We could not do it, and we'd also be fine with that. But he had expressed to me that if he was ever going to become a father, it would be through adoption first. So when we started the adoption journey, there were two different little girls that we were trying to adopt, and we lost those adoptions in the beginning of the process. And then we were introduced to a little girl from Ukraine. Her name was Veronika, and she was seven years old when we met her. She had been in the orphanage for five years and taken from her mom and dad. And she was definitely full of life and she was gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous. Veronica was a part of a hosting program that brought orphans over from Eastern Europe to have summer vacations and to also have Christmas vacations. So we, we had her in our home for five weeks in the summer and then she came back for five weeks the next Christmas. And then a year after we met her the following summer, we went to Ukraine on the final trip to bring her home. I remember distinctly being on the plane and being exhausted wanting to fall asleep, but having this overwhelming sense that we were stepping into a realm that we had never been before. And as I think back to that now, it made sense because when we arrived in Ukraine, nothing was really as we thought that it was gonna be. You would drive down the street and you would see a lot of things where people were getting beat up and you would see lots of guns and militant activity happening in a lot of places. So it was very tense. You were definitely on guard. When we walked into the orphanage, they took us into a room to wait for Veronica to come in. And when she came in, she was not the little girl that we had known her to be. She was very scared of us, um, didn't really seem to be in her right mind. We quickly found out that she had been drugged and they had been telling her some lies about us to make her scared. Um, We had been told that an uncle of hers was going to show up because he wanted to talk to us and just make sure that she was okay. That was really strange though because he had never been mentioned before. We didn't think that she had any family that really wanted to take care of her or to be with her. He sort of burst in very quickly um, with a thundering voice and was saying that he had planned to take Veronica with him back to Siberia where he lived. I don't know much about where she is right now. I know what I've been told. I know what's in my heart. My hope is that this entire situation is what forced her biological family to step up and to take care of her and to be with her. And so I hope that she's thriving. Since the time that we lost Veronica, I'm in a much better place with the Lord. That was a very long and dark journey for me, but the Lord and I grew so much in our relationship and our trust and our faith. We've now adopted another son, and we brought him home when he was four and he's now nine. And then we've had two biological boys as well. Um, I'm surrounded by men in my life. Uh, So, it's very different than when we had one little girl in our home, but I now have three boys. We read the Bible and we know the end, and we know that it was just three days. And to us, that feels like nothing, but the torture that that would have been for Mary. Those three days, your baby's gone. I just can't even imagine what she was feeling. And the Bible doesn't really dive into that, but you know that she was feeling things and that she was in so much pain for what happened to her son. When you think about her deeper like that, it changes your perspective a little bit of those verses. I obviously think about Veronica a lot, almost every day. I don't have to relive what happened to us in such a deep way every day. But I see my boys and I see them growing and thriving and I wonder what she's like. How tall is she? What is she doing? What are her favorite things? I wonder all of those things about her as I watch my boys. But it's much easier now to move on and to see that this was the Lord's plan Had we brought her home, we wouldn't have our little boy from Grenada. And I probably definitely would not have these biological boys. So to see what the Lord has done with our family and the joy that my boys have for life and for their family, it makes sense to me that this was the Lord's plan.
0: You know, God's plans are different than our plans. And sometimes we see it, and sometimes we don't until we recognize that, wait a minute, God is at work here. And for Mary at the cross and thinking, that's it, right? It's over. And this word that you gave me, God, it didn't come to fruition. But three days later, three days later, three days later, it did. And Mary is there at the empty tomb, looking in and realizing, my son is alive. Jesus is is alive. Jesus is greater than this world. Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is alive. Can you imagine that reunion. Mary and Jesus. Jesus is on this earth 40 more days. He ascends into heaven, and then the early church launches, and there's Mary right there in the early church as a leader making an impact and making a difference for the glory of God. God wants to use you And God wants to use me. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Check this out. God uses ordinary people to accomplish his will. Immediately when God speaks to our hearts, so often we think, God, you can't use me. We immediately go to what Mary did initially. God, are you sure? But then, hopefully we come to the point where we say, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And there comes a point for all of us where we say, God, you know, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not skilled. I'm, you know, maybe too young. And we come up with all these things. But at some point in our lives, at some point in our lives, we come to the point and go, I'm the Lord's servant. God, whatever you want to do, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary was chosen by God. Don't miss that. Mary was chosen by God. And it wasn't because she was wealthy and she could take care of Jesus, you know, right? It wasn't because she was older, more experienced, could pour into Him. It wasn't that she was super educated. In fact, she was uneducated. She was poor, but God chose her. Why? God chose Mary because of her humility and her willingness to be used by God. Here I am. You can tell the people who want to be used by God. Because when a call comes, they're just like, Here I am, like Isaiah said, Here I am, use me, God. And other people are like, no, 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 no. I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of plans. I've already made my life plan out, you know? And God's going, hey, I'm just looking for people who are willing. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God. Don't miss that. God in his sovereignty has invited you into a relationship with him. God in his sovereignty has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your family. And we can either go the way of the world and try to do our plans and our things, or we can say, God, here I am. What do you wanna do through me? Will you hear God's voice and engage? Will you hear God's voice and engage? You have been entrusted with precious gifts and a special calling. If you're a parent here, man, you have been entrusted with precious gifts. Those sons, those daughters that God's given you, and your call is to point them to the Father. Your call is to say, hey, set your eyes on Jesus. Follow Him. You're a grandparent. You're an aunt. You're an uncle. Whatever you are, all of us have a special calling in our lives to use the gifts God's given us. And whether it's in worship or serving or helping or the resources, God, I'm yours. Focus on Jesus. Guys, focus on Jesus his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She knew. She knew what God could do. Do we? Whenever there's a problem, do you immediately look to Jesus? You know, whenever there's a problem, most of the time, we try to fix it. Right? We, we go into fix-it mode, right? Whether it's relationships or work or whatever else, we go into fix-it mode. But what if we, when there's a problem, we immediately hit our knees and said, Jesus, I'm inviting you into this situation. Jesus, you come in, you redeem, you restore. Mary knew the power of Jesus. Do we? Do we know that nothing is too great for him? Do we know that he is over all that there is? Do we know the power of Jesus, even when she did not understand what all God was doing? And there's gonna be times in life, guys, we don't understand it all. We don't have all the answers but when we focus on Jesus. Mary never took her eyes off Jesus. That's the call for our lives as well. It's not our will, but God's will be done. So often we wanna pray and say, God, here's the plans for my life, and now I just want you to come in and bless those plans. Right, I've got it all laid out, God, here it is. You know? And you just come along and do a little blessing thing that's really cool, and let me do whatever I wanna do. And God's going, seriously? It's not your will, but it's God's will. I wanna do greater things in you. I wanna do greater things for your life. I wanna do things that are gonna impact this world. For Christ, trust me. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived and standing outside, they sent one to call him. They went to see him. Mary had other plans for Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be this kind of Messiah. Jesus, I want you to do this in the world. And our plans fail. Our call is to turn our will and even our children over to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and even as we think about Mary, man, it brings up these emotions because maybe you have a child who who used to walk with the Lord, maybe they were involved in church and now they're off or they're wayward and you worry and you fret. and And as parents, man, that's natural. But can we bring them to the Lord? Can we say, God, you've got a plan and a purpose. God, your word says, right, train up a child in the way they shall go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Doesn't mean they won't take a roundabout way, but God, you gave me a word. You gave me a word that my child would walk with you. And God, I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to hold on to that word. I'm going to hold on to that truth. Because you gave me a word. Do we truly trust God with our lives and our families? Do we truly trust God, you can take care of us? God, you're enough for us. Stay faithful. Guys, stay faithful. Here's the early church, right? They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and his brothers. What would it take for your brothers to be convinced that you're the Messiah? I mean, that's kinda crazy, right? But here's Jesus' brothers, James, Jude, wrote two of the books in the Bible, right? Here they are, early church, praying, because they know Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of that word. Mary's at the cross, at the tomb, and becomes a part of the early church. Stay faithful. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with your story. God has given you a word. He's gonna bring it to fulfillment. Mary was praying to her son, and now her Savior. And now her Savior. May the word of the Lord be fulfilled and the word of the Lord is fulfilled. Mary focused on Jesus all of her life. Here's what Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter one, verses, for Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through two, and it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and guys, we are. There's a great cloud of witnesses around us. Mary's up there in the heavenly realms, Peter, John, James, maybe your grandmother. Man, she was faithful or your grandfather, or maybe your great-great-great-grandfather, or great-great-grandmother, maybe your mom. I know my dad's up there. And we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And you think about them looking at us, and it says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off everything that takes our eyes off of Jesus. There's everything that hinders and sin. Sometimes things that hinder are good things, they're not sin, but, but they're not the best. They're not the things that are keeping us focused on Jesus. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run this race marked out for us with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance. This race marked out for us. This one, Mary ran in her day. You and I, this is our day. Let us run this race. Let us stay faithful to God all of our days. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. Salvation and sanctification come in Christ and Christ alone. Focus on him. For the joy set before him, guys, listen to this, he endured the cross. And what was the joy set before him? Because the cross is the worst possible way to die. But the joy set before him was Mary. I'm paying the price for your sins, Mom. John, Peter, Thomas, you, 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 me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It keeps going, says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't ever grow weary and don't lose heart because our God is greater. Guys, this has been a challenging week in our community. It's been hard. The tornadoes that tore through East Nashville and Germantown and North Nashville and Putnam County, it's been hard. The first diagnosis of the coronavirus in Williamson County, 44-year-old man, children. It's been hard. But I want to tell you this. Our God is greater. And God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We want to be wise, but guys, we don't want to live in fear. God wants to use us in the middle of this time and in this moment. And we may not understand everything that happens and everything that goes on, but we know this, our God is greater. And we know this, that our God is at work. And I want to tell you, church, I'm so proud of you and I'm proud of Christ's followers all across our community and just seeing people step up in this time. We've had people down already serving in East Nashville and areas and we've seen destruction that's been down there, but we've also seen so many other believers. Like Pastor Darius Williams right there, he served at that church for 44 years. And he says, I've been here at this Missionary Baptist Church. And you know what, God is faithful and God's getting us out in the community, and we're gonna rebuild. In fact, we're having church this Sunday. It's gonna be outside, because God is here, and God is faithful, and people show it up. It's a community of faith. It's the body of Christ. So many volunteers, people bringing food, people bringing backpacks, and tents, and tarps, people praying, and going, and giving. It's God, and God is here right now. And God says, hey, don't just have a spirit of fear where you hold back, you engage. You see people around you and you help. And maybe there's somebody going through a hard time in your family, hey, you don't just sit back, you step up and you step out. And you say, I just wanna be the hands and feet of Christ. I wanna love because I'm loved. God is here. I may not understand everything that's happening right now, but on the other side, I will But for right now, God is calling us as his disciples. God is calling us to be people of Christ. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. God is in our community. God is in our home. God is in our church. And God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. He called us to be wise, but he called us to be engaged. He says, you look around, you see the needs. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. And Father God, it'd be easy to offer excuses right now. It would be easy to come with worries or with fears. But Father, we come in faith. We come knowing that you are greater. God, you have sustained us, Father, all of our days. And I pray that, God, we would be the people who are standing up and pointing people to you and saying, look to Jesus. He is the hope in a fallen world. He is the hope in a broken world. He is the one who has come to redeem and to bring life. Maybe you're here today and you're staring at Jesus on a cross. Listen, Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He is alive. And he has come for you. Maybe today is a day of salvation. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Maybe today is a day when you say, you know what? I need to step up and step out. I've gotten distracted. My eyes are on the news. My eyes are on all the things in this world. And Jesus, I just want to put my eyes on you. You be the lifter of my head. You be the hope of my heart. You meet me today. And let me live in joy and in confidence because, Jesus, you're alive. So, Father, here we are, your disciples, standing strong in you. And we love you, Father. Thank you for using Mary in her day. And, God, I pray you would use us in our day. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and dedicate our lives to you. Amen.